Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hill is in studio, your host. Good morning. Good morning, Denny. Another nice, fresh morning. It's It's beautiful uh, outside. For those uh, that listen to us around the country, for around the world, for that matter, it's 20. That's uh, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. That's Fahrenheit. Can you turn that into Celsius right away with your math ability? Uh, No, but... um, (laughs) I'm sorry uh, to be the butcher on this spot. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with minus five. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll take your word for it. Don't anybody listen to that. <laughs> All right. We are this morning not uh, not talking about any particular topic, so the, our callers and texters will run the show. It's an open line show. So if you do have a question for the doctor, now's your chance. And you know, if you're a regular listener to the show, when we do an open line, it gets kind of busy. So don't wait till the end of the show and call us or text us when we uh, run out of time. Let me give you the phone number and the text number, and then we'll get underway. or send the doctor your text at 81807. How was your week? I've had a really good week. Uh, I'm just doing administrative administrative work at at the hospital. I was at a a party last night with uh, from some med school classmates, and so there's about eight or nine of us standing around, all from med school, and I, I realize what a what a privilege that is to have eight or nine friends, and I can just get advice from all of them. There was a colorectal surgeon there. On all the, these specialties. Oh, yeah, well, from over at Health Partners, and my friend John Sweet, the allergist, was there, four or five family doctors. There was a obstetrician-gynecologist in the room, and so we, we're all sitting together, and, and <laughs> one of them pulls out their phone. The surgeon pulls out her phone, and we're starting to talk about it, and she's showing me pictures of her surgery, and then... So you talk shop. So we were talking shop, and some of the pictures are a little bit graphic. And then a couple non-physicians joined the group, and we're passing this phone around of the wound. And the non-physician just thought we were the most warped group of people <laughs> they could ever see. This is what you guys all talk about when when no one's looking. You talk about weird medical cases. So it's, it's been a good week seeing seeing some old friends. I got a little advice from my friend John Sweet, and regular listeners will remember John Sweet. He's an allergist. And uh, best allergist in town, and I'm all stuffy and everything, and and so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try to figure out my allergies. But it reminded me of a conversation I had just this past week about the neti pot. Oh yeah, I, I chatted about it with Dave Lee right here on WCCO, and it's up on the WCCORadio.com uh, website. They did a little blurb about my talk with with Dave Lee, and there was an unfortunate case. Uh, of a woman who did neti potting, you know, that's where you irrigate uh-huh. your sinuses with water. But she uh, she had used filtered water, but not sterile water, and she got a very serious amoeba infection. So those of you who do the neti pot, I'm still a huge fan of them. I, I, I uh, as is my my allergist friend John Sweet. But you're supposed to use sterile water when you do it. Would, the, would distilled water work? I think distilled water is good enough, but you know, I, now I'm starting to think I better look that up. Yeah. I think distilled, but it's got to be sterile water. And one way you can do that is to boil water. And so, so perhaps that's a good idea. But 
I want to caution people, if you boil water, don't go pouring hot, scalding water into your nostrils. Um, So you have to let that water obviously cool back down. But neti pots really work. It's like an irrigation of your sinus passages. They really work. But just use sterile water and make sure it's not too hot. So that was an interesting conversation that all came out of this uh, last night. All right. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. The calls are coming in as well as the text. Uh, text number, by the way, 81807. Should we get underway with the uh, calls? Let's do that. Lee in St. Paul is first up here. Lee, uh, the doctor's listening. Thank you. Oh, hi. I've got kind of a thing. My mother hated pills, and I think it's carrying over with me. I'm 75, and my blood pressure tends to ranch up a little bit, Uh what can I do naturally or yeah. lose weight to keep my blood pressure down? Those are all good things, Lee. I guess a part of it is is how high is it? For people in their 70s, we're pretty happy if your blood pre- if your top blood pressure number is less than 150. Although most guidelines would call for your blood pressure to be significantly lower than that, all the way down to the 120s would be the best for that top number. So if your blood pressure is in the 140s, maybe you don't need to do anything with pills. Uh, uh, in that case, diet, exercise are good things. You can try to lose weight. You can eliminate salt from your diet to the degree you can. Salt is almost always bad for your blood pressure. It's not good for you in general to eat too much salt. You can um, exercise more even if even in the absence of weight loss exercise is helpful for your blood vessels because if you remember your blood vessels have little muscles in them and they you got to work out your body in all areas and if you can uh, um, in general your cardiovascular system will be more robust if you exercise so exercise diet weight loss those kinds of things are all a good idea I would uh, and I I appreciate your um, not loving to take pills That's, that's actually reasonable however the pills in the case of blood pressure are effective. They really do work. And there are uh, half a dozen classes, or there's even more. There's probably 10 different classes of medications to try, of which there are about three or four of those classes that we would consider first-line treatment. And so if one of them doesn't work or doesn't agree with you or makes you urinate too much or causes a leg swelling, you know, they can have little side effects. Try a different one. And then if your blood pressure gets too high, then you add additional medications. I think the the, the thing with pills that I tell people is, is is this. A stroke or a heart attack is worse than anything most of the pills will do for you. So if your blood pressure is routinely above that 140 or 150, Mark Lee, you might need pills anyway. But do try those diet and exercise things. All right. Thanks, Lee. Let's see who's next. Uh, Steve is calling from Fridley this morning. Steve, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi. Um, I got a question about, you know, bursitis, arthritis. I I'm 51 and I, I've run a lot of pneumatic tools my whole life and I got muscle pain on normally both arms below the shoulder on the outside above the bicep and it's just in the muscles and it's, it's been going on for months and months, you know, and, uh, so I was calling about that, you know, I mean, I've used muscle cream and stuff like that. It helps a little bit, but. Not too much. Hey, Steve, does it hurt to move your arms, or is it mostly when they're just at rest? Or do you have trouble moving? No, it, it hurts to move my arms, yeah. And are you using, you said you use a lot of pneumatic tools. Are you using them frequently? Are, 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 are your arms jarred around a lot? Are they shaking? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, 
on a daily basis, I'll use pneumatic tools, you know, chisel guns and stuff like that. And I've been doing that for 25 years. Right, and right. So it sounds like what you have is sort of repetitive use injuries. And when we say repetitive use, that's as opposed to one big all at one shot injury, like you broke your arm or you sprained your ankle. This is something, you know, smaller damage to the tendons or the ligaments or the muscles of your biceps, your triceps, your deltoids, your your rotator cuff, all those muscles that are around your shoulder blade, your shoulder itself, and your upper arm. They're getting strained. They're getting pulled. And it could be that, you know, you're just an active guy with your hands. You're lifting them. You're holding up drills and hammers and things like that. There's a little bit of vibration in those tools, and um, you're probably just lifting them a lot. I don't know that there is any pill that's going to fix that. Now, there. that being said, there are muscle relaxants that you can get from a uh, doctor, but I don't really even recommend that so much. You might try for immediate pain for more if you're if they're just hurting you one day you could take some ibuprofen or some that that's motrin or 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 advil you could take two or three of those and that's probably the most effective thing in the short term because those are anti-inflammatories and they might they might help you for for pain and discomfort but i would only want you to do that occasionally do it you do it on really bad days beyond that i think more of an exercise program a massage program, a physical therapy program, things that get your bodies moving, stretching, um, and keep those ligaments and tendons um, fully kind of um, flexible and and loose. You might try um, exercise classes. You might try stretching classes. You might try yoga. Uh, You could try acupuncture, physical therapy, all these things that are more manipulative in nature, um, that might mas- maybe massage therapy. These are all things that might help out that repetitive use kind of injury. And then if that's not working, maybe some over-the-counter uh, ibuprofen might help. Okay. Uh, Dr. Hilden, we're getting a ton of uh, text messages. Maybe we can pick up on a couple of those before we take our break. What do you think? That sounds good, Denny. Uh, here's one that says, I started taking lisinopril in June for high blood pressure, then began to lose my hair. So a switch to Losartan, but I'm still losing my hair. Any suggestions? I am not aware um, for this texter uh, that lisinopril causes hair loss. Now, any medication can do darn near anything, but it's certainly not one of the things we routinely tell uh, our patients when we start them on that medication. Lisinopril is one of those first-line treatments for blood pressure, so it's generally a very good one, as is Losartan, the one that they changed you to. I think the the hair loss is far more likely to be due to something else. Uh, maybe it's coincidental um, that it happened around the time of your lisinopril. I won't rule out entirely that it's from the, the medication because I don't know all the side effects of everything. But I think it's not likely to be due to that. I would look first into your thyroid and look into your um, – make sure your thyroid's okay and look into other kind of uh, electrolyte problems, nutritional kinds of things. Talk to your doctor about those. Okay. Tell you what, let's do this, doctor. Let's uh, take a break. We have more uh, texts and more calls to take care of on an open line show on Healthy Matters this morning. Good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. We're doing an, uh, we're doing an open line show today. It means your telephone calls and text messages drive the show. And Dr. Hilden, as you can see, we have a bunch of both. Uh, Bob, it looks like Bob has been waiting there in Maple Grove to ask you a question. Go ahead, Bob. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, I'm calling on behalf of my wife. Um, she uh, started having headaches about three years ago. They seem to start in her 
lift shoulder, go up, and then I'm up over the head and the occipital nerve and lodge behind her uh, left eye. Now, these help have headaches are continuous. They don't uh, come and go. They're like a migraine. They just they're, she gets up in the morning. She's got a headache. It's either a two or an eight or somewhere in between. I've been to three different physicians, three different therapists, four different uh, neurologists, Mayo Clinic with uh, Botox injections. Nothing's been effective. Wow. Do you have any ideas? Wow, Bob, that's going to be a um that's going to be a challenge, but let me let me ask you a, a little bit more. Is it always on the one side, always on the left side? Always on the left side, right behind the left eye. And does anything make it better? Like is, Not yet. is there any Not that treatment? Noticed, uh-uh. And she and and she's had MRIs and done and and they oh, can't yeah. find MRIs anything. MRIs and MRI specifically behind the left eye to make sure there's no uh, tumors back there. Yeah, Bob, that's going to be a tough one. So just in general, 90, 95% of headaches are what we call primary headaches, of which the, the big ones are migraine or tension headache and, and, and or that don't, res, don't arise from some structural abnormality. You know, there's not a tumor in there and, and there's not a uh, something like that. And so you've, you've looked into those. So what this is, is almost either they haven't been able to find the structural abnormality or this indeed also falls into one of those categories of, of headache that we uh, simply cannot find anything structurally wrong. It, it fits most, most like a migraine because it's one side and it's sort of right, right behind um, the eye, one-sided throbbing. It sounds like it has sort of a, uh, uh, well, I want to say a neurologic basis to it because you said it, it radiates all the way up from the shoulder through the eye and um, to the back of the neck. So that sounds a little bit like it's got a neurologic uh, um, component to it. Uh, I'm thinking about that, and I guess what I would suggest, I would start – you've been to four neurologists. You've been to Mayo. These These are good people. They know what they're doing, but they've clearly not been able to come up with it. I wonder if you have tried some other alternative type of practitioners. Um, maybe it's time to broaden even more. And maybe you've done this. But I would start out with um, trying to oh, – I guess I would focus on treatments. Try to find something that alleviates the symptoms as long as you have ruled out all the really bad stuff by getting MRIs and EEGs and seeing neurologists. If they've ruled out the really bad stuff, then I would start with acupuncture. That's the, my, That would be the first thing I would do. Um, Probably the very next thing I would do is try an acupuncturist. The reason I say that is because it's safe, safe, safe. It does have many thousands of years of of experience, mostly in the other half of the world, but in more recently on this in, in our part of the world. And it does seem to find ways to help neurologic pain in my experience. I've had several um, patients, actually many, who have had relief from their headache with acupuncture. So that's one thing to try. Um, and then if you want to try medications, I guess I would focus on those that have a neurologic component to it, something that is for neuropathic pain, things like um, uh, Topamax, Topiramate, uh, Gabapentin, um, Amitriptyline. She's probably been on all these, but they would be the ones I would try next. And then if none of that works, um, uh, there must be a headache specialist somewhere, and you've probably already been to them, but I would just make sure I go to someone who is very specifically in headaches as opposed to a general neurologist. But my suggestion is to um, start with an acupuncturist. Maybe you didn't see that coming, but I think that that may be what I would try next. Okay. Well, good luck, Bob. To her. 
All right, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's see who's been waiting. Um, uh, Margaret in Columbia Heights has been waiting, and then we'll grab some text messages. Go ahead, Margaret. Good morning. Merry Christmas. And to you. Thank you. I am on amlodipine for blood pressure. And on the news, it is getting a bad rap, and it says it should be recalled because of cancer fears. Mm-hmm. What should I do? It says don't stop taking it until you talk to your doctor. That's a good question, Margaret. I would keep taking it. So um, I have, I've actually heard about this one, and amlodipine is one of the most widely prescribed, effective, and safe blood pressure medicines there is. There was simply one factory, um, just one, making a specific formulation of amlodipine, and it was specifically one that came in combination with Valsartan. Um, and so if you have a combination amlodipine slash Valsartan medication that was made from this one factory, I believe it was in Asia, it wasn't the amlodipine. And here's the key point to all of this. It wasn't the amlodipine that was dangerous. There was an impurity in the manufacturing process. And that impurity in very high levels was is thought to be carcinogenic. Even if you have that medication from that factory, and even if it has that impurity, it's minuscule amounts in the pill. So um, that's uh, it's it's safer to keep taking it. But if you do have that one particular formulation, amlodipine slash valsartan, that came from that one company in India, I guess you would have to call your pharmacist to see then it's probably a good idea to get a prescription refilled for your amlodipine that came from a different manufacturer. I would always listen to the, to the recalls. But, but the key important point is that it's not amlodipine that's the problem. It's an impurity from one manufacturer. The second key point is that the risks of letting your blood pressure go high outweigh by a huge amount any problems from that impurity. So my suggestion is um, uh, keep taking it Okay, <laughs> to, to everybody who's listening. Let's see if we can grab at least a text before the break reminding our listeners we'll have another half hour of the show to go. So if you didn't get in this half hour, we'll try to get you on next. But uh, how about okay. a text? Thanks, Danny. We were talking earlier about the neti pot um, uh, and about how it's a great way to irrigate your nasal sinuses. I still believe that. Um, but the recommendation is that you use sterile water. That water can be sterilized by boiling here, one person texted in and said, yesterday someone said boiling water would not kill amoeba. I would disagree with that. You're safe if you boil your water. Boiling water cure, kills darn near everything in there, and amoeba is a little one-celled organism that can't survive. Uh, if you, boil it for five minutes, just a bubbling boiling water for five minutes, and importantly, let it cool off before you go putting it in your nose. Cool it all the way down to room temperature, and then store that boiling water, and you're good to go. You can also buy distilled or sterile water in bottles. Okay, we have a little less than a minute. By the time, here's another one that says about that, that amlodipine val, losartan thing. It said, what are you telling your patients who take losartan? I'm not sure what that texter means. I'm, I would tell them to continue it. Uh, losartan's a good medication for blood pressure and for your heart and a number of other reason, reasons. Is that, is that about all the all time right, I have? Yeah, let's, let's continue on after, uh, after the break, and uh, we'll get you more information. I get in touch. If you need a, a doctor, we'll, uh, we'll let you know about that as well. Handupinhealthcare.org. Absolutely. In the meantime, again, if you're just joining us, this is an open line show, which means your phone calls and text messages. We're not talking about any particular one topic. Here is the phone number, and I see one line is open. at 651 989 
text number, and we have a bunch of those, 81807. Uh, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. It is an open line show today. That means your phone calls and text messages all the rest of the way. We appreciate your patience. As you can see, Dr. Hilden, we've got folks on the line that have been waiting. Texters. We've got all kinds of good listeners. Listeners, you've got great questions, as always, every week. Absolutely. I can't always answer them. But your questions, your questions are great, and I appreciate everybody. Good morning. Thank you for calling. Thank you for texting. We'll talk about a couple of other things, too, as we move through the rest of this, uh, this half hour. But as I said, we do have callers that have been waiting. Texas Bev in Minneapolis is one of them. Thanks, Bev. What is your question? Yeah, I heard uh, it was a commercial on CCO early this morning, and I didn't get the first part of it. But they were t- called it NMO. And it has to do with the spinal cord and your eyes. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I, it was probably um, mm. neuromyel—oh, uh, Bev, I'm going to have to think of what it was. Neuromyelitis optica, I think is what you're neuromyelitis. talking about. Neuromyelitis. Yeah. Did you get—are um, you wondering what that condition is? Well, I'd like to know something about it because I've been doctoring for about six years. And it has to do with my spine and my eyes. Yeah, yeah. what that is, and, and I'll just preface this by this is way outside my area of expertise. So here's the general stuff that I, I think I remember from that medical school lecture 20 <laughs> years ago. Um, neuromyelitis optica is a problem in your optica. That's your eye. It, it kind of mim- mimics multiple sclerosis, if I remember. You get visual loss. Um, I don't know that there's a cure or we know exactly why you get it. But um, uh, it, is, it is in your central nervous system. That's the neuromyelitis part, your spinal cord part that you're referring to. And it primarily affects one or both eyes. And I believe it's one, but I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. And you have some visual loss. Visual loss is often the presenting complaint of multiple sclerosis. So sometimes people get misdiagnosed with one or the other. And, and if I'm correct on that, MS is far more common. Treatments, it's not curable. But there are treatments and uh, uh, that involve a variety of uh, medications and 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 the like, and so that's probably the sum total of what I know. If you are having transient visual loss, and I think it's painless visual, if you're ever having painful vision loss, go in right away. Go see a doctor. Go see an ophthalmologist. Go to an emergency department. If you're having pain in your eye and you're losing your vision, you go in right now. Or if you're having sudden onset vision loss, you are seeing one moment and you're not seeing the next. You go to an emergency department right away. But if you're having kind of this ongoing blurry vision, sort of a vague um, vision loss over time, this is one possibility, Bev, NMO. I don't think it's particularly common. But definitely go see an eye doctor. All right. Thank you, Bev. Uh, Frank in St. Paul is next up here on CCO. Go ahead, Frank. We're listening. Yeah, Two months ago, I have uh, you know, nagging pain in my left uh, foot ankle. Um, I live this year. I have two surgeries. And two weeks ago, I visited my primary doctor. He took x-ray and prescribed me uh, Declofenac and Omeprazole. Um, my pain... Uh, in my surgery area, it's coming back. So I don't know what to do. Good questions. Um, the, the first thing, the medicine they prescribed you was diclofenac. That is a non-steroidal uh, in the same class of medications as, say, um, 
ibuprofen. It's just like Advil, that, uh, the brand name. Um, the omeprazole is an antacid, which was probably only given to you just because the diclofenac can chew away your stomach lining a little bit. So they were just giving you that for some relief. It's not a pain medicine. Um, if you're having um, – Frank, are you still on the line? How long ago was your surgery? Uh, one is my derp was done in March. Yeah. And the hernia was done in May. Yeah. But the pain is down in your foot? Is is that what I'm hearing? That's, you know, I have uh, many years ago, several years ago, I have this kind of pain. And I got good shoes and ran away. Right. But this time is consistently for two months. I waited, you know, two months. Right, right. Um, I guess my first suggestion, um, I doubt any of this stuff's related to your surgeries, but um, why you're having foot and ankle pain and, and that's persistent for two months, I, I, I strongly recommend non-medication medication relief measures first. So the first thing I was going to say, you already did. Make sure you have really good shoes. Make sure you are um, got good arch support and that your shoes fit correctly. Um, I would suggest doing kind of stretching exercises. I would suggest doing massage-type exercises um, and being physically active. Those things are all really important. After that, if you're still having nagging pain, I would look to see if there's some cause of it um, up in your lower spine that might be causing it. So pain that is persistent in your feet for a couple months that is new, it could be a neuropathy it could be a pinched nerve. It could be something for which there are some decent treatments. So I would go talk to your doctor about that just to look into it to see if it's something worse. And then if it's, it isn't something worse, you've done all that, it's okay to take an occasional ibuprofen or diclofenac like you are. It's okay to take some other, uh, other over-the-counter medications. And then if none of that works then um, I would consider things like um, prescribed pain medications. I would consider things like acupuncture, which I measured or, or I mentioned earlier, or I would consider things like massage therapy. Okay. So good luck to you. I don't, th- it, I don't think it sounds serious, and I don't think it's related to your surgery. All right. Hey, Danny, I brought yeah. up massage therapy yes. there, and some texter um, rightfully brought up, um, said this. You have had two calls on this show that I think massage therapy might be beneficial. The blood pressure issue and the guy with aching muscles. What do you think? I don't know if I mentioned it in the first half of the show, but I'm a big fan, actually, of massage therapy by a qualified therapist. I mean, you can have your partner at home rub your feet and all that. And that's, you know, I'm all for that for a variety of reasons. But, what, but um, if you have um, aching muscles, the person um, who had the arm pain, I think massage therapy is a great option by a trained massage therapist. Um, either at your healthcare provider or that you found on your own. But a trained certified massage therapist is a great idea for many of the things. I don't know about the blood pressure issue. I don't know if there's any medical evidence, you know, scientific literature. But I'm clearly going to come down on the side of saying I think it's a good idea. Um, massage therapy is good for a number of things in your body. It does um, what the actual connection is with your blood pressure. I don't know. But anything that um, uh, brings your body to a lower level of overall stress and overall inflammation is probably a good thing for your blood pressure. So although there's not medical evidence, I'm actually a, a big supporter of massage therapy for a, well, a lot of things. So just wanted right. to respond to that text message. Before we grab more text messages, doctor, let's go back to the phones. Folks have been waiting. Kathy in Hastings is one of them. Good morning, Kathy. How can we help you? Um, doctor, what I was listening to the caller that was describing the headaches that his wife was having, I had to call because I had those same headaches. Um, 
he described them to a T. I said that it felt like I had an ice pick that went down behind my eye and down into my shoulder. And I did everything that his wife was doing, and I couldn't find any reason for them. One day, just by happened, um, happened to hear someone say that they were having headaches, and they discovered that asperitine was causing them. So I started looking at all of the things that I was eating and drinking, and I cut out asperitine, and my headaches went away. Do you mean the, the sweetener? The sweetener? Yes. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, asperitine is in um, uh, yeah. Um, it's in yogurt. Yeah, it's in a lot of different foods. Yep. And when I cut those out, my headaches are. I'm twelve, about twelve years free from having those headaches. Okay, so that's really fascinating, Kathy. And thank you for that call because asper. I think it's aspartame. aspartame is the, is the yes. uh, um, I. I don't know what that is. What is that stuff? I'm, I'm, I, I, I do have a little bit of skepticism of these chemicals, <laughs> not of the color. I don't have skepticism of you, Kathy. I mean of that of the artificial sweeteners. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to think that they're, they were developed in a chemical factory somewhere, and we don't probably know the long-term effects of a lot of the stuff we do. In small amounts, things are probably okay, but I don't know if we know a whole lot about this stuff. So that's a fascinating thing, and I think it's worth, uh, worth a, a look. So if the caller who is having, um, if I think it was Bob, if your if your wife is, um, maybe maybe that's something to try. Look at the diet and see if you're using things like uh, Kathy suggested. See if maybe you're having some artificial sweeteners in your diet, like aspartame, and see if you cut that out completely. See if it doesn't help. I will not hurt. I don't think there's any redeeming right. qualities to that stuff. So cut it out, Kathy. Thank you very much, and I'm glad you're headache free after 12 years, and I really appreciate that call. We have great listeners. Tell you before we uh, head to the break, let's let's mention. Yeah. Let me a talk about strokes just for a second. Strokes are so common in the top five causes of death. And maybe you've experienced a stroke. Maybe you have someone who has and don't know what to do. Well, Hennepin Healthcare, my organization, um, has a, a stroke survivor support group that has been really well received. It's led by staff from the Hennepin Healthcare Stroke Center, and it meets on the second Tuesday of each month at two in the afternoon. If you are interested, if, it's for, if you're a stroke survivor or a family member of a stroke survivor, you are invited. It, the next one is this Tuesday, December 11th, and that's the second Tuesday of the month at 2 p.m. at the Clinic and Specialty Center, which I've talked about on this show, downtown Minneapolis on 715 South 8th Street. For more information, go to hennepinhealthcare.org. That's all one word, .org, hennepinhealthcare.org slash stroke. That's the Stroke Survivor Support Group. And it is so, there's a lot to living with stroke or to have a family member with stroke. And maybe you want to find out what others are doing. Get advice from others who have walked your in your shoes. The Stroke Survivor Support Group, the second Tuesday. The next one is just two days from today. HennepinHealthcare.org slash stroke. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Doctor. Let's take a quick break here. We have more show to come here. It's an open line show on Healthy Matters on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to uh, our Healthy Matters show. Open line show today as Dr. Hilden is looking at the screen. He sees a lot of callers, a lot of textures. Uh, let's get to as many as we can before the end of the show. Mary is calling from Owatonna, Minnesota. Go, go ahead, Mary. Well, um, I have a uh, issue since the 1st of October. I woke up and my ears were plugged and um, 
I don't seem to be able to, especially bad in the morning. It gets a little better during the day. I also have, I don't know if it could be related, but I have a chronic cough I've had for 15 years that can be triggered by laughing, change in humidity, temperature, um, and number of things, and it gets productive. And also, I tried to use a neti pot um, a couple of years ago, and it worked really well for a while. But whether I used a saline solution or the solution that comes with it or just plain water, and I did boil it, it felt like I was pouring acid into my sinuses. It hurt so bad. Oh. Yeah, it was. I don't know what's going on with my sinuses. <laughs> you know, it sounds like your sinuses, though, Mary. Now, you said you you had plugged up ears. Is that both sides? You, you feel like you're congested in yeah. your head? Yeah, today now I woke up and it felt like I had earplugs in both ears. Sometimes during the day it gets better, but and I sleep elevated for mm-hmm. acid reflux, so it's, I don't know why when I wake up I'm almost deaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can kind of relate to you, Mary, because that's a little bit. I have that to a, a degree too, probably more than you wanted to know. But I I get congested as well, and it's worse at night and it's awful in the morning. It could be. I think it is a chronic sinusitis type of situation. That's a, a the hallmark sort of what you're describing. Now it can be due to a number of causes. It can be due just to your plumbing. Your sinuses are holes in your head, literally holes in your skull that have that have to drain somewhere, and they have little teeny passages that usually drain into your nose. But some people's passages aren't that well developed, and they get clogged up. So an ENT person can do that, but that's kind of drastic. It can be due to allergies. You're just reacting to something in the air, the dust in the room, the molds in the room, and that just leads to inflammation, and that inflammation gets in your sinuses. They get clogged up. They drain into your nose. They drain into your middle ear cavity. Your middle ear is connected to your nose. There's just pipes in there, and they are connected. And so I think it's likely chronic inflammation of your sinuses, either due to um, just bad anatomy or probably allergic. It's usually not infectious. You do not need antibiotics. But I would start, A, with an allergist. That would be my first step because there might be some ways to help with that. That person can also give you tips for your home environment. B, I think the neti pot's a good idea, although with the caveat that I talked about in the first half of the show, there was a recent death out in Seattle from someone using tap water with their neti pot. Uh, You might want to consider doing what the recommendation is and use distilled sterile water or boiled water that you've cooled. But the neti pot, what it does is it simply washes away all the irritants, the dust, the mold, the pollen, all the stuff out of your nasal passages so they don't get so inflamed. Do that once or twice a day. And then thirdly, you might need some pictures of your head. In other words, we've got to see if there's anything in your head. No, really, a CT scan, a CAT scan of your sinuses can help the doctors, your allergist or your primary doctor, determine if you have thickening of the sinus walls, if you have fluid in your sinuses. Those are all signs of inflammation, and then they can recommend some treatments after that. Since you've had it for 15 years, I don't think it's an emergency. You know, it's just it's the nuisance of your life, um, but I would do those measures. Should we go back to the text screen for a moment? Right. Here's a, here's a text message. Thanks, Denny. It says, on Wednesday, I went in with what I thought was a UTI. After the analysis, they prescribed medication. Then I received an email that said it was negative and I should stop the medication. I'm afraid if I do this, then later on it will come back as a UTI. So how we do urinary tract infections, the best way to do it is based on a culture where we grow your body fluid in a culture in a lab and see what bacteria grows. That takes a few days. So we start out with a urinalysis, which can have some clues 
to whether or not you have a urinary infection. And so sometimes you get prescribed a medication based on those clues. But then when the urine culture comes back and there was no bacteria in there, then we tell you to stop, and that's okay to stop. I would do that. I would stop. There's The harm is taking too many antibiotics. In our world, our society, we take too many antibiotics. Now, if you are someone um, with kidney problems or you're having bad symptoms, I mean, you're really you're, – it burns when you urinate or, uh, um, and it really hurts or you're going to the bathroom, you're urinating five times what you used to. You're going really often and it hurts. Then sometimes we just carry on the antibiotics through to the end no matter what the culture says. But if you have just mild symptoms, it will go away on its own for the most part, and I would stop the antibiotics. we got a couple of interesting text messages. I know we're almost out of time, but the, the topic of aspartame. Oh, aspartame, and Kathy had called in from her car out in Hastings and said aspartame cured her headaches when she got off of it. Here's a text that says headaches from aspartame. I believe her MD found that some people have an allergy to this as their body breaks it down into wood alcohol, I think. And then there's another text that says aspartame absolutely causes migraines. I was diagnosed by a neurologist many years ago. Any amount of aspartame gives me a terrible migraine. The neurologist said this is a known trigger. It collects in the brain. He said no one should be using this. I'm actually in support of all these folks. I'm, mm. I'm skeptical of aspartame, and I'm now kind of – I think that it's probably uh, – for the first caller, Bob, if you're still listening, tell your wife to stop aspartame. Yeah, at least give it a shot if that's if you consume that. We're out of time. What's a, a show topic next week? We're get, we have a new orthopedic surgeon at Hennepin going to talk about nip and, knee and hip replacements. Uh, Dr. Hansen, you're going to want to listen if you're having knee or hip problems and are thinking of a surgery. So you want to tune in for that, and, do, and be sure to check us out at hennepinhealthcare.org. And if you need a primary care doc? It's 612-873-MYMD. 612-873-6963. We'll see you back here next week. All right.